Hi, and welcome to episode 297 of No Crying in Baseball, the That's How You Know It's Rigged episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend, Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, how are you doing? I'm okay. Hey, it's Monday night. What the heck are we doing recording on a Monday night? That's weird for us. Usually it's a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I've had a weird weekend, a wacky, weird, long weekend. I think my voice is still a little bit off, folks. I think it's a little bit off again. I think this is a whole different reason. a whole different new thing. Can you share with the class? Yeah, so I told you guys last week that I was going to some baseball stadiums this week, but not for baseball. And so I did that. I was at the Dead Show there. It was their second show at Citibank, which was Thursday City night. Field. So yeah, no, not, yeah, City Field, not yeah, Citibank. not the bank. It was much bigger. It's a much yeah, bigger venue, right? And I wrote bank all over my notes here. Let me fix this. <laughs> no, I just did it once. I think I was a little tired. Read Dead Show above um, for everything related to my notes. Uh, yeah, so I went to City Field with um, Mr. Potty Mouth and Junior Potty Mouth, right? No, Potty, Potty Mouth, Mouth Junior. Junior. Potty Mouth Junior, my, my my offspring, and offspring's three friends to see the dead because what fun way to continue graduation celebrations. And uh, it's fun to be at City Field. I really tried to go there for a baseball game for graduation weekend. That did not work out. But there I was again for a dead show. And... Several things of note for City Field. Overall, super good experience. And if you're a deadhead or just like like listening to the dead and you want to check out any of the recent tour, this was a really good show. It was super rocking. The one we saw in Virginia was kind of mellow. This one was totally up there. Great one for the kids. Um, and John Mayer comes out. The the I guess one of the lead singers is in, in common vernacular, but it just sounds weird to say it that way, wearing a Mets shirt. And I thought to myself, hmm, now I've seen them before at City Field uh, last year, and I saw them at Fenway before, and I've never seen any band member reflect anything baseball about it. And here he is in a Mets shirt, and of course I'm like dying to like check it out. And he turns, and I thought I caught a glimpse of uh, of number 12, right, uh, Lindor, and Lindor's name. And I was like, wow, is he is he a Lindor fan? What is this? So I was thinking, well, when we get to Fenway, he better fucking be wearing a Red Sox shirt if he's wearing a Lindor shirt at City Field. And we get to Fenway and there's no Red Sox shirt. So I, of course, go to the go to the social media, go to the Google and try to figure out what the fuck's going on. And it turns out that Mr. Lindor, that would be Francisco Lindor, your previous uh, baseball boyfriend, his wife Katya is a deadhead or at least a dead fan enough to bring wow. yeah so there's it's on her instagram feed and the whole family went which is adorable because they just had a baby incidentally which is also on her instagram feed she had a home birth it's on instagram if you want to watch baby lindor being born it's gorgeous it's done very well super tasteful uh, uh francisco is like a trooper doing all the right like birth partner daddy things with the birth ball and the tub and they're just absolute um you know pros right there and this is baby number two i think baby number one was not born at home so this is like a goal of hers and both were there and in her um instagram post she mentioned that the new baby whose name is amapola i think that's poppy uh it was her first time at city field and it wasn't for a mets game (laughs) and i and they were up in the upper club section and i think Uh baby's ears were were well protected but i'm thinking there must be a deadhead on the red Sox, like really or a a spouse somebody who could get john mayer a fucking shirt to wear at the show or you know really anybody else Mm -hmm. on the stage see so the way you're presenting this makes me think that you are leaning towards the Mets as being better than the Red Sox (laughs) in this situation. And that's surprising. And yet that the evidence. Okay, so I clearly could talk a lot more about this. So there's there's more. So first, I I actually do have to say one more nice thing that the Mets did that the Red Sox did not do, or at least that the baseball stadium did that City Field was lovely. Um, Pro tip, folks, if you're going to go watch a baseball stadium concert, when you go see a, a concert in a baseball stadium, the band is way the fuck out there in the outfield. So if you don't have the the floor tickets, which is on the field with the masses, which is a thing and it's a fun thing to do. And if you're young, power to you, go out there and like get close to the stage. But us old folks, we need chairs with backs. Back support. It, right. It's a friend. If you are also of our you know age demographic and you enjoy comfy back seats, go for the club seats. Now, when you are buying your concert tickets... 
it just goes by distance. So the amount that you pay for being in the club seats is the same that you're paying for like the next section over, which does not have the cushy seats. Oh, this is a and pro tip for sure. Yeah, it ended up helping us both at City Field and at Fenway. So in City Field, we were in whatever club is like right behind home plate. We had our own little, you know, instead of being with the mobs on the concessions, we had a bar that was you could just walk up and get a drink. Like there was that no sounds like mob danger. Danger, danger. It was, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of was, and the bathrooms and stuff like that. So what the what the Mets did was the cocktails were in their official Mets pride, and I brought one home, little containers. So it has the Mets symbol with the with the uh, Progress Pride logo on it, which I thought was a really nice touch. Kid was impressed. We we came home with probably way too many of the. Actually, <laughs> no, we left most of them in New York because it is, after all. A Mets symbol. So the one that we brought home is going to the Mets fan cousin, I believe. So no souvenirs for me yet, yes, freaking again. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Well, also, the potty mouths left mm. the 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 Boston beer we apparently. Did. So really nothing for me other than I'm you know so postponing sorry. the recording. I'm fine. Uh, well, you, I'm fine. I, I, I've got to go back. I got to go back and retrieve our beer. Yeah. So you know, Leah's say Fenway Park did not do that. However. The Fenway Park Club seats were also lovely and especially lovely for me being a Red Sox fan because there was all sorts of like Red Sox memorabilia on the walls and we still got the swanky bathrooms. We did not get the nice take home cups, uh, but we did get like lovely veggie burgers that we didn't have to stand in a crazy line for. So I guess a concert scene, maybe City Field wins out here. But for me being nostalgic, I really enjoyed the Red nice. Sox scene and the Red Sox club seats and everything was really cozy. And the one uh, marketing bit that they did very well, most, it seems weirdly, like most MLB teams have a Grateful Dead night. I mm -hmm. guess, you know, yep. there is demographic out there. And if you can sell extra t-shirts, you're going to have a Grateful Dead night. Uh, the Red Sox have their Grateful Dead night. It's it, I think it's called Jerry Night. I should, I should know this. It's, I think it's on Jerry Garcia's birthday, August 9th. If I got that wrong, because his date of death is also in August. So if I screwed those up, apologies to all my deadhead friends out there. Um, but it, it that, so I'm looking, okay, August 9th, maybe we could get back to Fenway. It's a really cool tie-dyed jersey, Red Sox jersey. It happens to also be Kike Hernandez World Baseball Classic Bobblehead Night. How can it be that same night? It's, there should just That's, be a huge banner that says, you know, potty, potty mouth. mouth. <laughs> your Venn diagram is here. Get your ass to Fenway Park. I, 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 I would do that. that I, I would do that. Yeah. Those sound like fun things to do. Because you know what you know what I was right. doing while you were doing all that? I was watching the rain come down and the Thunderbolts oh, right. field get so trashed that they had two actual rainouts and one they postponed just because the outfield is – pond oh my god it's a freaking pond so yeah so friday saturday night i was supposed to announce and i was really excited we were gonna do a little party for the team afterwards and all that all of it got postponed so i mean i made up for it with day drinking but still that's not, not the point <laughs> yeah the point is i really wanted some baseball and i really didn't get many but i did get to watch um some o's victories over seattle on tv so that was okay i just keep thinking with a name like the thunderbolts you're kind of asking for it aren't you like <laughs> well <laughs> I guess not but the thing, you know yeah we, we've we've had that conversation before <laughs> but it was just downpour so it wasn't yeah. really, you know, thunder strikes, which would have been at least thematic. <laughs> we could have like leaned into the brand a little bit, but no, none of that. On today's show, all-star season plus boyfriends making their mark. We've got the Reds. Oh my God, the Reds. We have angels trouncing, and I mean seriously trouncing Colorado. We have the College World Series Go Tigers. Our police blotter is once again the same as our cross-training with the NHL. And yay, Gabe. Cheers. All right. Cheers. So we're going to kick it off with our baseball boyfriend report. These are the guys that we pick in the offseason because they're super cool. We each pick one guy per team, and, and that's it. And then we make our fantasy teams out of uh, out of our baseball boyfriend picks. So go back to the offseason uh, if any of these guys sound of interest to you because we do a big, deep dive when we introduce them. We have current boyfriends and then we have past boyfriends because we can't keep them over, you know, for your listening pleasure. But I do have a current boyfriend who is doing some good things with the upcoming all-star festivities. And that would be my current Mar Mariners boyfriend, Julio Rodriguez, which I'm just amazed that I actually picked a guy at what seems to be the right time. Like this is a yeah. good season for him. 
He is, uh, at this point, the second player ever with 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases in his first 200 games. My other previous baseball boyfriend, Fernando Tatis Jr., who I did pick early, is the only other guy who has done such. So the the All-Star Game, Home Run Derby, is going to be in Seattle. He had to come up and do the right thing. He was in the Derby last year, as you might remember, and he beat out Pete Alonso, who was the previous winner, right, from yep. the year before. Yep. And then he faced off against Juan Soto and lost to Juan Soto by one run. So Julio, Julio Rodriguez should be in the Derby regardless, but also he's got that hometown hero role. <laughs> and we remember when Bryce Harper, we yeah. watched the home run Derby when he was our hometown home town hero here at, at Nats Park and it was really meaningful I mean mm-hmm. I've never been like oh my god Bryce Harper is the guy right. I mean I certainly appreciate his baseball skills but what that that was exactly the perfect moment and I think mm-hmm. you're right I think Julio Rodriguez can kind of replicate that I'm the guy at the moment in the place where I live yes this is it yeah and he is totally Mr. Seattle now. So I would put money on that. I don't know. I'm not going to put money on anything. But he's going to be in the Home Run Derby. Nobody else at the time of recording has announced. So, so far, he has a really good chance. Uh, the All-Star voting, however, has been going on with uh, with serious uh, uh, vigor, I would say. And it's the first round is over. So the first round is over. And uh, Shohei Otani is an automatic in because he was the first round a person with the most in the American League overall. So he got the mostest votes out of any American League player. He So he automatically gets in, as does Ronald Acuna. Same for the National League. Brandon Belt wa- came in second to Shohei Otani in the DH vote. And some folks thought that he was serious when he commented on this in the beginning. Oh, He's a no. guy that I picked in 2019 as my baseball boyfriend, so that's why he, he kind of fits into this segment well. But his first quote was, yeah, that's how you know it's rigged. I should be number one, and everyone knows I'm a better hitter than he is, better DH, better team leader, but here we are. And, of course, you know, I, I mean, who can say anything really about what Shohei Otani is? Shohei Otani... It was the first person to be voted as an all-star as both both sides of the plate, right? Both pitcher and batter. And he's done it twice at this point, and this could be the third time. So we're talking records that are being set that didn't exist before, that he's doing this probably for the third time this year because he's also pitching pretty well. So it's time to vote for your second-round picks. Get online right now. There is going to be a link in the show notes. You have until the time you hear our dulcet voices until June 29th. Can I jump in there real uh-huh. quick and say, um, so um, if you're wondering who to vote for, for AL Catcher, you know, there's ah. a guy named Adley. He and Jonah Heim are the two that you can vote for to decide who's going to be the starting catcher in the game. So, you know, I'll be voting Adley. And if you know what's good, you might want to, too. That wasn't a threat. That was a compliment because sure. you know what's good. I voted for him today. Yeah, I'll you come did. Out. I, I did, definitely voted for him today. I was trying to do an all-baseball boyfriend ballot, mm-hmm. which is hard because most of the races, both of the guys are past oh, baseball boyfriends. Sure. So you had to do some decision-making there. But I encourage you to you know, go out there, cast your vote. Another guy you could cast your vote for would be my former baseball boyfriend, Luis Arraez, who I had picked when he was back there on the Twins. And now Miami people are so happy to have him around. He is scratching at that 400 mark. In this past week, he's been up. He Right now, he's just under it. I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens by the All-Star break. We'll see what happens by the end of the season. I think the part that is astronomical about this, I mean, just the fact that he might be the only player after Ted Williams, Red Sox great, to be batting over 400. But the difference between him and number two, who is Ronald Acuna, who's already in the All-Star game, Ronald Acuna's average right now is 328, and Luis Arraez is 399. We're talking 70 point, well, 0.07, I don't know, fractions. I got to teach fractions soon, so I better figure this out. But it's, it would be 0.07 would be seven hundredths. But still, that's a lot when you're talking batting average. So And the season is that. long. Yes. So I think yeah, yeah. anyone who hits 400 at any point after, you know, after a certain number of plate appearances during the season is – momentous mm-hmm. regardless of if they can maintain that pace Absolutely. all the way through the season but oh my gosh if he could that would be so cool 
Send them to the All-Star Game, people. That's right. That's a good idea. Hey, so um, Michael Harris, my Atlanta boyfriend, was player of the week in the past hey. week. And let me tell you why. For the, the previous week, he went 15 for 27, which is batting 556 for the week. Three home runs, nine runs batted in two steals, and a 1.499 OPS over seven games. Um he had a three-hit game on the 12th, a four-hit game on the 14th, and then last Sunday he went five for five. Wow. Three runs, three runs batted in over Colorado. He is the first Atlanta player since 1900 with a five-hit game out of the number nine spot in the order. That's, if you know how people get wow. you know, chosen for where they are, that's number nine is not usually going to be the guy that gets that, those numbers. He's also the first Atlanta player age 22 or younger with a five-hit game since, guess who? Andrew Jones, who Michael huh. Harris has been compared to a lot, yep. did it in 1999. Hassan Kim, also, wow, he's way back in it. He tied his season high, runs batted in in a game on Friday when he went two for five. He had a solo home run and a two-run single and scored two runs in Friday's 13-3 win over Washington. Sorry. He had, up till that point, had a five-game hit streak going, which ended, um, that was the end of that five-game hit streak. And at, at that point, he also had hit eight of his last nine contests. Didn't do a darn thing on Saturday, but yet he homeward again mm -hmm. last night. So maybe he's starting a new wow. streak. So hooray for my Padres boyfriend. I think they Hoslinkin. lost that series, though, against the Nats and and. And Xander Bogarts got a little crank. He's he was insulting to the Nationals. Was he? Was he? Like, yeah, he said he was a little yeah, just a little little saucy there. Said something about like oh, we're doing this against the Nats, and it's like oh, yeah, you oh, are, dude. Yeah, you are. Take your money and run, dude. Hey, I'm gonna pour you more drink in a second. So can you tell us while I'm finishing mine what we're drinking right now? Oh, it's with Lone Oak. It's from Lone Oak Brewery. Something? It's a tropical IPA. Yep, all those things. That's about as much as I know. Lone Oak is here in Montgomery County, Maryland, and uh, yeah. Drink their beer. Yeah. And then and then now we're going to have our last, very last of the four Pride Punches. And we'll t be talking about more about Pride soon. But this is from Brooklyn, New York. And I can't remember the name of the brewery. But it's So Pride basically, Punch. we were having once a week, whether we need it or not. As right. it turns out, we need it because it's really quite delicious. It is. And here we are, June 26th. But I just want to make a point because actually we had some lovely feedback of somebody who appreciated the amount that we're talking about Pride. And I am proud of that but also i think that we have a goal as a show that we need to keep it up so we need to get more pride bunch we need to keep drinking it <laughs> and and keep talking about it so we'll get to that later but but i wanted to do a little bit of a nod to the fact that some baseball players were just playing mlb baseball in england recently that would be the cardinals and the cubs they split the series they each won a game so that's very very polite. That's a very English very kind of polite. thing to do. Right? <laughs> uh, I first uh, got drawn to wanting to talk about it because my current boyfriend, Christopher Morrell, who I am adoring, he's, he's so He's cute. amazing. Such he can't stop guy. hitting home runs. Yeah, he had a teeny bit of a slump after that initial burst, but now he's back at it again. And he is smiley and he is friendly. And I couldn't find this interview to save my life when I tried to look for it again to put the link in the show notes. But there was a really cute thing about this kid who's, you know, 24 years Years old from the DR going to England and being able to travel and being like I get to do sightseeing right I get to see the changing of the guard and I get to see Big Ben and like all these cool things that some of these players just wouldn't normally get to do so I appreciate it that I don't think they all did it but it was him and mm, I can't remember one of his teammates who, who went out sightseeing so that is is a definitely a, a good sort of bribe byproduct of international baseball um, Adam Wainwright claims the blame for the game one loss for the Cardinals and, and the poor guy, because I really feel for the elder statesman. You know, he's been at it for a very long time. He has already earned, you know, all, all of the, the due credit that he gets. He let up seven runs and 11 hits in the first three innings and didn't get an out in the fourth. And he's been hassled so badly by this, by fans, that he had to delete his Twitter account. Oh, no. So that super, super sucks. That's super, super. He, he's a good guy. He's put in his years. I mean, Cardinals fans should understand that, you know, I don't know. Fans are fans. are fans. But he had to delete his Twitter. I'm sure it wow. wasn't all Cards fans. Uh, also, Marcus Stroman's game two, who, of course, could have been the, the knight in shining armor coming in, he was out with a blister in the fourth inning, and that might have had something to do with the Cubs not making it through that game. The um, 
London series will continue next year. And they, they go for these rivalries, right? It started off with the Red Sox and the Yankees. And here we had the Cards and the Cubs. Next year, it's going to be the Phillies and the Mets on oh. June 8th and 9th. Already already um, planned so you can set your clocks and plan to make those day games, which is kind of nice. They're thinking about doing something in 2025 in Paris. So Manfred has talked about this. There are no formal plans, but they're working on it. So I am very much in favor of getting ball players more, you know, more tourism. <laughs> Let them go <laughs> up the Eiffel Tower. Just don't get hurt doing anything. But, you know, for all the criticism, and we have plenty of fucking criticisms for Manfred, I do think it's a good thing to have games in other places. Although, you know, the back of my mind, I'm thinking, where is this balance? Because these places also have their own baseball. So the key is to to bring baseball to attention as a positive thing and you get MLB there, but also respect what's already happening because they're talking about doing MLB games in maybe Korea and Japan and other places in Latin America. Great. All these places have baseball as well. So how do you do that without being imperialist about it? You know, how do you keep yeah. it positive and growing the game without it being all about the MLB? Yes, yeah, so I think they are a little bit restricted by places that have the facilities in place right. where they can actually go and play because they're yeah. going to want to go and play in a big honking stadium. And I think as long as they treat it like, here's your chance to see these players up close that yeah. you may have heard about that you wouldn't normally get a mm -hmm. chance to see and not our baseball is better than your baseball. Right. It's, hey, here's a different flavor of baseball that you may not already been getting. Yeah, and if it and if it can trickle down, like I think Great Britain did better in this last World Baseball Classic sure. than anybody had imagined. Does that have any, anything to do with the past few London series and drawing attention to the game? Maybe could be. That'd be cool. Could be. Okay, last thing I want to say about it is your former boyfriend, great pick when you were picked him way back in 2018 from the D-backs. Now in the Cardinals, that would be Paul Goldschmidt, has now busted uh, Xander Bogart's very short-lived record. He had a four-country record because he played in four MLB games when the, the Padres recently played in Mexico. But now Goldschmidt has played in five countries with MLB games. That would be the U.S., Australia, Canada, Mexico, and England. And the quote that's floating around all over the place, I've seen it, is that, you know, when he was younger, he said, I never thought I'd even play in one country in the big leagues. So to play in five is pretty amazing. That and is pretty amazing. Say, yeah. How about those Reds? Mm -hmm. Wow. You have family there. I do. I do. It's a fun ballpark. The Great American Ballpark I is, is a fun place to go. Well, we've got a place to stay should you want to go there. And this is a good season to go because the Reds are remarkably hot right now. They, with their win over Atlanta on Friday, their 11-0 win over the Hammers on Friday, Oof. they matched their franchise record of 12 straight wins. Since then, on Saturday and Sunday, they lost to the Hammers two games in a row, 7-6. to six. So oh. heartbreakingly close. Yeah. This, it can be tied, perhaps, to Ellie De La Cruz yep. starting. He... On Friday, he played his 15th game. And again, I just said they won 12 straight games. So out of the 15 games that he was involved in, they won 12 straight. His contribution to that last uh, in this in that in that that series of 12 straight wins was hitting a cycle by the sixth inning. It's crazy against Atlanta, who has some pitching. He is the first player. This is the first time I've heard the World Series era being huh. describing the first player in the World Series era to have at least 20 hits, five stolen bases, and three home runs in his first 15 games. Oh, my God. That's crazy. He hit the first Reds cycle since 1989, and he's the youngest person to do so since 1972. The loss on Saturday, the heartbreaking 7-6 loss to Atlanta, both teams homered four times. Oh, my God. The fireworks. How crazy is that? We are going to see the Reds. We get to see oh, Ellie right. De La Cruz on Wednesday when we go to the O's for Pride oh, Night. Fun. That is going to be such a fun game. I hope they're not on a new <laughs> winning streak because I'd right. like for the O's to be on a winning streak then. But I can't wait to see Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be cheering for Ellie De La Cruz, except for the fact that this could be the very, very good reason why Mr. Potty Mouth has passed me in the fantasy baseball standings, partly due to me fucking up with my pitching, but also he 
grabbed Ellie De La Cruz He's instantly smart. before anyone else in the league. He is a smart shopper. Um, I, I will give you the opportunity right now to call dibs on him for next year. Oh, hey, you have somebody else in mind? No, but I'm just because wow. I just I'm, I'm, I'm a good human. That's amazing. Do you want dibs? Sure. OK. Oh, my God. Sure. OK. Yeah, that's fine. Fun stuff. Another crazy thing that happened this weekend was the Angels game versus Colorado when they beat the Rockies 25 to 1 on Saturday. Who the heck does that? (laughs) There were back to back to back home runs. The Angels had a 13-run third inning, an 8-run fourth inning, and then a couple of random solo home runs later on in the game. My Angels boyfriend, Mickey Moniak, went 5-for-5 during that game. Four runs batted in and a two-run homer. I think everybody hit safely and was on base. If you're an Angel, you were on base during that game. It was a franchise record 25 runs on a franchise record 28 hits. They are the only MLB team in the modern era to score 20-plus runs over a two-inning span. That's a lot of runs in a short time. Man, if you were in line for concessions, you missed the whole freaking game. (laughs) And also, which I find very amusing, after that game, the Angels announced they had acquired veteran infielder, my former boyfriend, Mike Moustakis, from the Rockies. In exchange for a minor league pitcher, which means he's one of those guys who basically just went from one clubhouse to the other. Right. But after losing, like he goes to the winning team is the best. Yeah, that's that's much better than that. <laughs> right. The other okay. way around would have totally yeah. sucked for him. Yeah. So um, I don't think that he, he wasn't in the starting lineup on Sunday. I don't know if he ended up playing, subbing in <laughs> later. But wow. It's like, OK, I'll go hang out with you guys. It seems like you're having more fun than right. we did. Oh, totally. I find there, there's so many amusing things about that game. Uh, I think it's it's totally amusing that it was a Rockies home game, which you know makes sense for flying home runs. Mm-hmm. But but the Rockies didn't have any of them. <laughs> like they what they got one. They had one. They're, they're like, the one. Their one score was so a you would think like in their ballpark they could have done a little bit more. So I, I when I saw that you were going to talk about this, I went to look at the box score and I <laughs> saw my former D-backs boyfriend from twenty twenty one, who I thought was on the Mets right now, Eduardo Escobar on the lineup and I was like, huh, I didn't realize he was on the Angels. Apparently that was his first game on the Angels. Like what a time to start. And he, what I loved about when I started digging into him, even MLB said, and I quote, that Venezuelan native is known for his clubhouse presence as he's long been one of the most amusing players in the majors, hence a potty mouth pick. He went two for four that night. He found out about his trade to the Angels mid-game at Mets, as, as did everybody else. So there's a clip of Francisco Lindor being interviewed mid-game. Like, I just found out about this. He didn't even know where he was going. Oh, no. They were locker mates. And Lindor's kind of, like, struggling through this. And he said, he's been there for me for the nights that I've had rough nights. He was there for me, so I'm definitely going to miss him. And Buck Sowalter had to tell him during the game, he was – Traded for two pitching prospects, so I don't know what's up with the Mets, but it seems like he did okay getting settled in at the Angels right away. The Mets are paying his salary except the minimum. And what what does he say about it? Like, you get yanked out of one team and plunked into another. Did he have to leave mid-game, or did he get to finish I, the game? I mean, I'm not even sure about that. I'm not I'm sure if he was in the lineup. that they told him mid-game. Like, what? i got to believe you would finish. I know. I don't know. It's, what yeah. do I know? See, he said, so Mr., like, you know, a happy guy in the clubhouse said, I've always tried to be the best teammate throughout my career and bring the best energy to the team. I'm so happy to be there. I told the manager, no matter what you need, I'll be ready. So he's like, all right, you're moving me here. This is my place. Okay. I'm going to do my best. Overall, the other interesting thing about that night is that the Angels totally shook up their lineup. It was not something that they had had for a while. So my 22 boyfriend pick for the Angels, David Fletcher, had just been brought up. And he was put in shortstop, which is kind of weird. He was usually a second base person. He went four for six with five RBI after just being brought back up. Your 21 Red Sox pick, Hunter Renfro, he had his second career start at first base. He's been in outfield forever. They start him at first base. He went five for five. Damn. So I guess just shake it all up and see where it settles. And then you get 24 runs and... I don't, I don't know that's a good long-term strategy, but right. it sure worked this weekend. Wow. Yeah. That's right. that's stunning. Crazy stuff. And, Fun of course, stuff. then there was another crazy blowout 
the, but at the college level right. this weekend. So talking about blowouts. Actually, when I started doing these notes, um, hi, Brian. Go Tigers. We're, we are recording right now. Oh, shit. The game just started. We could check the score, but we're not going to because I'm going to just try to get through this. Game three, the deciding game of the College World Series is happening right now. We are very much hoping that LSU has pulled it off. When I started these notes, LSU had won game one, and I thought they were just going to cruise through it because we have gotten good information from our friend Brian as, long, as well as the swag, which, which you can see in our Instagram video with, with Patty. Unfortunately, day two was crazy, and Florida came back and beat them let's see where's the score it's 24 to 1 so this is where i get confused of the two games because of the so many so many runs um lsu won 24 to 4 in game two and this is historic it was the most runs scored in a game of the college world series history lsu actually started that game ahead three to one and then uh florida scored a whole bunch more runs. I didn't do my math right, but it, it it worked. It worked out for Florida to be crushing them. The route to the World Series that was also super interesting. LSU got a walk off in the eleventh inning, a two run home run in the bottom of the eleventh off of Wake Forest to make it there. Apparently, the celebrating was a lot. I'll get back to that. Florida, on the other hand got there winning three games by one run. So three elimination games by one run. So that's like the thing that you're saying, like it's just one it's so close. and you're so close. And they then LSU by a walk off. So I don't know what's going to happen tonight after LSU winning game one and then getting slammed in game two. Although I go back to the Red Sox, of course, 2004 ACLS, where they lost like 19 to four and then came back and won. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping. The headlines around LSU are amusing. So that that celebration after that walk-off win, the HuffPost had a headline highlight that says, and I quote, LSU players simulates vigorous sex move to celebrate college <laughs> World Series win on TV. So this is just another HuffPost case of, of blowing up the incident. You know, what had happened, I guess, is a Wake Forest guy had made some gesture and i don't know if it was a vigorous sex move but it was some vulgar-ish gesture for people who get offended by shit like that and it got caught on twitter uh but not on national tv and at this point that tweet is deleted because i tried to find it in no I bet longer you did. <laughs> it no, longer no doubt that you look for that so apparently this lsu player was trying to do the same thing and i don't know if it's a vigorous sex move like it's it's it was one of the it could be you know in a reggaeton dance floor it's like a perrero it's just you know moving your hips and your hands in a certain way and some people maybe get offended by that kind of stuff his problem was that it was caught on caught on a national tv uh. camera but I think the bigger problem is if the camera had had showed that and then just passed along, like whatever, it's a guy doing a thing and you see this shit on the dance floor. But because the Huffington Post put this like very graphic title on it, I get to talk about it and entertain you all <laughs> with, with, with this information. Do our Patreon viewers get to see you doing? Oh, God, what? no. No? Okay. Uh, well, I, so Maybe I Maybe they folks, need to pay more so they don't have to. Absolutely. Okay. Double, if everybody doubles, oh my God, here, I'm, I'm throwing this, this dare out. Everybody doubles their Patreon contribution. And yes, I will, I will, I will put that video on Patreon. Um, then there's more though. LSU just seems to be like the, the place to party. Uh, another article. Surprising no one. It, right. Quote, LSU fans continue to shatter College World Series Jello shot challenge record. Rocco's Pizzeria and Cantina in Omaha, Nebraska. So seemingly not connected to anybody in this in this situation. But it's where the World Series is. Ah, there we go. So they have, thank you very much, because that makes a lot more sense. They have a, a yearly tradition where when you get down to the final eight teams, they have a color coding thing. So each team has a color of a jello shot. And whichever jello shot gets the most wins. So I don't know. But sure. Yeah. So so LSU won bite like shattered the record of the amount well, of Well, it was it was probably purple. Shot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't want a purple, purple jello, jello shot? Jello really? Shot. I mean, I don't really do jello shots, but yeah. if I were to do them, I would do purple ones. Right, right. And I can go on record saying that I will not do a jello shot unless it is in a vegan establishment because jello is not vegetarian. So 
which I'm sure mattered quite a bit to those people trying to shatter the The, Jello shot challenge record for the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. I would not be able to be part of that. No, even though we don't know what happened. Even if they put them on a shot ski. Well, no, it would have. To, I, I could ask Mr. Potty Mouth to make me some vegan shots of Jello, and then oh. I would do it. Okay. <laughs> you can do you can do vegan Jello. All right. It's possible, but All it's right. not common. It was right. probably not. I really good. thought that Shotsky not, might might yeah. um, you know trump and, uh, <laughs> vegan, but I guess not. No, no, okay, it's got to be. Although there's lots of other things we could put on the Chatsky. But uh, even no matter what happens tonight, <laughs> That's neither here nor there. No matter what happens uh, in Nebraska, apparently tonight. Um, Dylan Cruz of LSU got awarded the Golden Spikes Award. Uh, he was the second year of the Southeastern Conference Player of the Year. First overall college player in runs scored with 94, second in um, OBP with 562, fifth in hits with 104, and sixth in batting average with 418. And plus, apparently he does good stuff off the field, which factors into that. So I appreciate that about the Golden Spikes Award. And shout out to again to our friend Brian, who has um, helped us learn all things LSU, got us some really good, cool swag, and also sent us a article about that Dylan Cruz. And I'm, I'm guessing we might get a follow-up. Absolutely. I hope so. There's a lot of terrific MLB players who've gone through LSU, mm. but I have to say my favorite is one that we've not actually talked about with Brian or anybody else, which, oh. which is my, my one of my favorite uh, Orioles commentators, Ben McDonald, who is a really? who is a Louisiana native and also went to LSU. And boy, is it fun to listen to him tell stories. And he does have a very soft spot for LSU. Yay. So yeah. So yay, Ben. Yay, Ben. Hey, this is one of those days when our police blotter and cross-training overlap quite Mm. a bit. This is really, it's dismaying. It's also interesting, but still no. Mm -hmm. Still no. I kind of get, this is one of those things where I get the situation, I get the explanation, but no. The National Hockey League, we've talked about them a lot in our cross-training, especially about Pride, has decided next year... I thought they were just dropping pride jerseys. They're actually dropping, according to the NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman, all theme nights. He mm. said so all the theme nights, like pride, there's a military theme, it's a heritage theme night where like different cities, mm-hmm. you know, it might be like an indigenous people's night or something that celebrates like what's important about that part of the world. The, the pride night should be continued. They're important, but the uniform has become, and here we go, a distraction. Oh. And it takes away from the positive efforts of the teams and the league. So as you know, because we've profiled this in past episodes, in this past season alone, multiple players and teams have opted not to wear the Pride warm-up jerseys. Remember, they only wore them during the warm-ups, not during the game. They had their regular uniform on during the game. And these people, these players, cited religious reasons or, in some cases, safety concerns. This I somehow missed. Mm. Multiple Russian players opted out of wearing the Pride Night warm-up jersey as Russian anti-gay laws escalated. And one could say maybe they were worried that they shouldn't, like, openly counter those things that might be a danger to them. But but everything that I read said there was no, no even rumors of any retaliation against these players if they had done it. But that was sort of the timing, uh, was this is happening, you know, in the homeland. Mm-hmm. So maybe, so I'm not going to wear this here, but that may have just been an excuse. So here's how the NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman, summed it up. He said, In a final analysis, all of the efforts and emphasis on the importance of these various causes has been undermined by the distraction in terms of which teams, which players. This way, we're keeping the focus on the game and on these special team nights, we're going to be focused on the cause. So I want the focus on the cause, but you know what? I do want to pick on the players who, right. like you said last week, right. if you know if your personal view on things is is jumping on somebody else's civil rights, you're out of here. Exactly. I mean that that should be that should be a focus because you are a role model right. and you shouldn't be advertising that crap. I'm sorry that you feel that way. I wish you didn't, but I sure wish you wouldn't speak that way and influence other people to think that's okay to do. Yeah, the only decent thing, 
And I hate to use the word decent because this whole thing honestly sucks. Like it just it's like, okay, let's just pretend this doesn't exist and push, you know, brush it under the rug. The only good thing is that it's it's equal. Like if they're going to do away with with pride, like you had said before, like the military uniforms. okay, I'll also do away with that. Like as long as it's across the board, it's not. I don't know. It still sucks, though. It and they sucks. announced it during Pride Month. Oh, my. You're right. That's so So they are sweeping these other nights right. along with Pride because it does, in fact, also yeah. apply to them. But they're talking about it in June, hot on the heels of these other right. conversations that may have been, quote, a distraction. But I think it's a worthwhile distraction. Right. I know. I mean, they, if think about this, you know, like 1960s civil rights mu- movement, because we're in the heat right now. Things are getting uncomfortable because people are becoming more vocal because there are more comfortable spaces and power to those comfortable spaces. And then the people who don't understand are being assholes. I, I, I guess I'm being a little generous by saying they don't understand, but it's it's just ugly. It's just ugly. And I don't feel like people should have any right to discriminate against other people, period. Just period. But, you know, it's my personal choice, right. Potty Mouth. It's, so the, it I know the whole religious thing is... I don't want it. Yeah. Right. It gets it. It makes it really difficult to discuss. But we're talking about people here, and we're talking about civil rights, and I think that we need to acknowledge... You know, we need, we need to make a statement. And I think more of these nights and more education around yeah. them, this this makes that even more obvious right. that that's necessary because if people yes. are just sort of taking things at face value and not right. thinking about them or not learning more about them, that's right. definitely fuel to the fire that, yeah, we need to be louder and also mm-hmm. more inclusive, more inclusive in the, hey, you need to learn about this. Let's talk about yeah. this. So I actually have a good like uh, segue to that. I want to give some props to Gabe Kapler, manager of the uh, the San Francisco Giants, and he has a Pipeline for Change Foundation. Now a little bit of a caveat here. I've been a little harsh. Um, I think we've, we've talked about Gabe Kapler in the past when he worked for the Dodgers and was complicit in covering up a sexual assault mm-hmm. with with some players. I'm hoping that uh, some of this is, you know, we always talk about if you, if you fuck up, you've got to face up to it. And I'm not sure if that step happened, but you've also got to do some serious amends. And it turns out that before his Pipeline for Change Foundation, he had a Gabe Kapler Foundation. So it's nice that he, he got himself out of the, the spotlight a little bit there. That was focused on domestic violence. So a little oh, bit more closely related. Okay. And then... He sounds really good now. So I listened to a a couple of clips of him announcing um, some of the events by Pipeline for Change. And the goal of this foundation is specifically to get people of color and other marginalized communities that normally don't have opportunities in sports. And it started in baseball, but now he's expanding and saying sports in general into positions of power in sports. So we're not just talking like being inclusive, but making sure that people have decision making power. So then that gets passed along. So then it definitely becomes more inclusive if you have a a more diverse management level of things, right? So tonight, um, and I'm hoping I finish editing in time to tune in at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time so you guys have all missed it. Hopefully there'll be some sort of recording. This is going to be their second. This Pipeline for Change Foundation is having these Zoom... um, presentations that are you can sign up and just listen in the first one i was on mental health issues with a great uh string of people who are involved today is going to be about lgbtqi plus community creating safe spaces and our friend and past uh Uh, podcast participant brian ruby go back and listen to our interview with him he's going to be on it uh um, Big Gabe Kapler is going to be the moderator. Also, they're going to have Roscoe Maps, who is the Giants' chief diversity officer, and Tara Gore, who is owner CEO of Gore Media. And I did not get a chance to look that up before we recorded. Um, and I just really appreciate that part of his uh, promo piece for for talking about tonight said that we believe in a world where 
with everyone, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, has equal opportunities in sports. And so that's the framework that they're going in on. So thank you, Gabe Kapler, for, for being active, for getting the word out there. And I'm looking forward to seeing, hopefully, if I get this done. I'll try to tune in a little bit and see, see what they have to say. Wow, that's surprising. I didn't know that yeah. he did that. And I'm really happy to have you teach me about that because I'm going to start paying attention. Yay. I like it when, when people surprise me in a good way. I'm very tired of being surprised yes, in sad I ways. Know, right? Yep. Fun thing. We talked last week about the Oakland A's reverse boycott <laughs> when fans showed the heck up to prove to all the naysayers Yay, that there Oakland. is a fan base. The Hall of Fame is involved because there was an A's supporter group that raised $30,000 to produce t-shirts that were the Kelly Green that just had the word sell on them that they gave away. They gave away 7,000 sell t-shirts at the reverse boycott. The Hall of Fame wants one. The Hall (laughs) of Fame is going to have one of these sell t-shirts. And they made a point of saying... We're not taking sides. You know, they're not saying the A's should move, the A's shouldn't move. That's not what the message is here. But they're documenting history. And they also made a point that when teams move, there is a huge opportunity for getting interesting um, artifacts Mm -hmm. from that. Because these things come up, like these sell T-shirts. The sell T-shirts have been spotted in a large number of ballparks since. Both people just having them and just wearing them to other games, but also... When Oakland is the away team and people are showing up nice. in the cell shirts. So I'm going to start paying attention and looking for those because I think that's just great. And wow, any any opportunity you have to have something that you came up with in a Hall of Fame, that's pretty darn good. good thing. Nice work, cell folks. We have this fantasy team. <laughs> This right. league. We, we talked, talked about, about this last week. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about it every week. Yeah. So top five, again, are exactly the same. Although I think that Bono's boyfriends might be losing a couple of points. Oh. I don't know. I think they're getting spread out kind of evenly because I can't score anymore. A's suck. Oh, it doesn't great. seem to be really catching up. And then Andreas, Andreas, and Adelie's still third, and all that jazz still fourth, and these set them and forget them kids still fifth. Interestingly, mm-hmm. Mr. Potty Mouth's wicked awesome team has claimed the sixth spot you're right and also the short kings have vaulted past yeah potty mouth potty mouth is getting closer to me because we're pals yep. at number eight karen's not so awesome team at nine the sunny slammers at 10 here i am at 11 and late for holding right. up holding up number 12 at the bottom it's a long season man we're not even at the all-star break yet hold right. tight things I, things can change i i saw late for uh, yesterday, after not seeing seeing her for a long time, and she just started paying attention again. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. so I don't know. I don't know. So we'll, we'll what you're what, saying we'll is, I'm going to end up last anyway. And then we had talked about that host swap last week. I actually looked into it, and it's way complicated because of the team thing, because we can't um, have doubles on a team. Yeah. So it got it got a little murky. Okay. So okay. I'm thinking what I am what I did was I went back into my original list. Color-coded everything and figured out who is still available. So I picked up uh, a backup catcher that I had. But also, I think one thing that we could do is find out where our previous picks are elsewhere in our league and do swaps with them because they um, that went that way. We don't have to worry about the team, you know, doubling. Yeah, yeah. So I have a uh, sunny sunny slammers. I might be sending you a message in the near future. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Hey, so we just we mentioned Pride Nights, we mentioned Brian Ruby, mm-hmm. we mentioned Ellie De La Cruz. All of these, <laughs> All things, these things are coming together on Wednesday when the Baltimore Orioles host their right. Pride Night. Who's going to be there? We're going to be there with lots of folks. We're gonna we're gonna be in a party group. Yeah, so we we've got a gang going. We're hoping to say hi to our friend Brian Ruby, who we believe is singing one or more things yep. as part of uh, part of Pride Night. We get to see Ellie De La Cruz show off. Hopefully, just enough and not too much. Because go. <laughs> O's. No, go Reds. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, come on. I mean, the O's are doing so well in the AL the, Well, the, and the, the Reds, Reds are not. The, 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 yeah, but the Reds, however, are also right. doing just fine. They're in they a whole nother division. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I will never get I'm you to terrible. root for the, you're, You are terrible. terrible. You're, you know, never mind. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I'm not going to sit with you as it turns out. Fine. No, It'll be kid, fine. Your kid's going to glare at me. I'll shut up. That's true. <laughs> 
So that, that's that's the thing I'm most looking forward to this week. Also, finally, eventually, hopefully on Friday, we've got another home game for the T-Bolts oh, because yay. I really miss Friday. seeing seeing our, our local guys playing because of, you know, rain and field and all of that. So, I think I can do that. Okay. Well, you know, if we're still friends after, okay. you know, the Reds-O's game, <laughs> maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll invite you. What else do we have going on this week? Um I, I, I don't know. That's it. That's that's that baseball. I, I'm in summer mode now. Like all of a sudden I'm back from this these travels and I don't have work anymore. I, actually, that's not totally true. I have a couple of work things that I need to wrap up, but it's not like going to work like the thing that you guys do. So yeah, happy summer for the teacher over here. Hey, so we're on episode 297. Yeah. That seems like we're pretty close to a milestone episode. It does. And if you're interested in joining us for episode 300, our doors have not been knocked on, but let us know. You got to join our Patreon group. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash no crying b-ball. And maybe you want to sit in and like hang out with us for episode 300. We do not exactly have plans for it yet. We're open to suggestions. But right. But the, it's but a that, celebratory kind of thing. That's right. And so when we record remotely, when we're not in the same room, we are able to invite people to be a peanut gallery as part of the recording. Yeah. So it would be like you'd be Skyping in yeah. to be part of part of the audience. So if that's something of interest to you, please let us know. There are many ways to get a hold of us. Patti Mott, do you want to tell people how to do that? Absolutely. You can hang us out with us on Twitter at no crying and b-ball no that's wrong ncib podcast is twitter no crying and b-ball is facebook industry you think i'd get this fucking right after 270 you get it right almost every time i think you get a pass on this one how much are the pride punch i'm almost gone gone. so that would be no crying and b-ball facebook and instagram ncbi podcast is is twitter and then patreon is no crying and b-ball and it's like a buck a month and you get to be in our peanut gallery come on it's super fun and and you all should be boycotting starbucks now anyway because there's all sorts of um union strikes going on so boycott starbucks throw the money on patreon we'll all be happy so so baseball instead of union busting yeah yeah, I, I, that's words to live by as yeah. far as I'm concerned. I hope you guys get to go to a Pride Night. If it hasn't already happened in your town, watch some baseball. Go see a college a college summer league because, boy, is that fun to do. I want you to fight the man. It's the right thing to do. Please send your game balls to Meredith. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Exactly. So if I left everything the way it was last week and last week sounded good, then it should ergo by the transitive property of sound. Wow. You weren't recording the ergo or transitive, were you? Yeah, actually I was. So Okay, because that was really something. That was impressive. (laughs) Especially the ergo.